It's officially October. That means we're in the thick of college football season. Football weather's starting to take hold as well. I went outside. It was not even 60 degrees today. It was rainy. Quite frankly, a little miserable. But when I think of college football, when I think of football in general, this is what I think of. And now we're here. It's week six of the College Gridiron Podcast. Alongside my partner, Nick DeLuca, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Nick, how are you today? Well, it it was a little rainy outside, so the mood is always affected a bit. I I don't know if I'm as much of a fan of this rainy fall weather than than, uh, the way other people seem to view it. But you know what? It is what it is. It is football weather. Thick of college football season, and it's it's a it's getting good. I'm I'm excited to see where we're headed, and excited to recap a couple of close games and some things that we didn't expect from last week. Speaking of rainy weather, dark clouds hanging over certain teams. Let's get right into it. Clemson Tigers nearly <laughs> lost to North Carolina. We were, by the way, just for the record, a North Carolina two point conversion away from playing Return of the Mac to start this show. <laughs> We would have broken it out again. I don't care. But North Carolina takes Clemson to the wall. They were tied at half at 14. Clemson goes ahead by a touchdown in the fourth quarter. North Carolina scores with under two minutes to go. Instead of kicking the extra point, they decide to go for two. I'm not a huge fan of that decision. That's just me personally. Try to win the game there. Didn't quite work out for them. And Clemson escapes what would have been, I don't want to say a catastrophic loss, because you can make the playoff with one loss, especially in this day and age. But what would have been a very damaging loss to them, and even in a win, I feel like you have to be concerned with Clemson and the way they have played early in this season. Another sloppy performance from them. They get out of Chapel Hill with a victory, but they did not look convincing at all in doing so, and I think you have to raise serious concerns for Dabo Swinney's team. I'll start with your stance on the two-point conversion, and I will have to disagree with you because I think that that's absolutely the right play there. Now, certainly if you're on the road, that's the play. But even if you're at home, you're playing a team in Clemson that is the defending national champion with somebody who, at quarterback, a lot of people thought, including myself, that was going to win the Heisman this year. This is a top 10 defense. This is a top 20 offense. This is a team that has looked absolutely 100% unbeatable up to this point and going back to last year. So when you have the chance to, on one play, steal the win, I think that's the right way to go. I I don't think that they're winning that game in overtime. I think you're giving a better team an opportunity to wake up and on the whole play more actual football as opposed to one play where you need two yards and you might steal one. So I, I like the decision by Mac Brown playing as the team that, that is the significant underdog and isn't as good going for two. Yeah, I, I just I'll, I'll rebut you real quick before you get on to the rest of your point. I, I, I totally understand all of that logic. Just my, my issue is right, you've got Clemson on the ropes. Why not make them earn it? Why not take them to overtime? Why not, you know, make them score and then get a stop? I mean, granted, it's the twenty five yard line, you've got one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Will they punch it in? Probably. But I, I'm more of a fan of making Clemson earn it in O T than just going for the get-rich-quick scheme in regulation and trying to win. And also, I think it sends a message to your team, and, and maybe this is wrong, but maybe you're sending a message to your team that, hey, we're not good enough to be Clemson in, in overtime. You know, we can't go to the fifth quarter with them, which is probably true. With, which but I, granted, I don't think they are. <laughs> That's the thing. Football is not a rational sport, <laughs> Nick. Okay, <laughs> But I, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it just for those reasons, but that, that, that was pretty much my point on the two-point conversion. 
Fair enough. And I, and I think that the biggest takeaway for me is the concern, as a lot of people have drawn similar conclusions, that Clemson's offense is is a problem, right? They got to start playing better. And, and it starts with Trevor Lawrence, 18 of 30 for 206 and a touchdown is not what we were expecting this year, right? So they they have to do a better job of moving the ball. You, you know, 206 yards passing is not great against a middle of the road defense that North Carolina has. I think they're they're around 60th in the country, and 125 on, on the ground for four yards a carry is respectable, but not what we're accustomed to seeing out of a running game that has been really good, led by Travis Etienne. So it's it's concerning with the way that their offense is playing. I think their defense is as good as it's been. I, I don't think there's as much of a concern on that end, right? They're still in the top 10 in the country, 20 points against a North Carolina offense that isn't the best. But again, you'll give them a few points. Clemson, probably some things they want to clean up, but on the whole, they're doing a, a decent job there. But offensively, that's a real concern. But I, I do think they will turn it around and, and find a way to get these things corrected because Clemson's coaching staff is, is one of the best in the business. So I think they'll be able to turn it around. But that has to be a major red flag if you're in, in orange and purple. It's interesting with Clemson's defense. You were talking about it. I thought they were really great after that first drive. They gave up a quick touchdown. They gave up a couple of big plays early in that game. After that, they were really solid. And you're absolutely right. The concern is not about Clemson's defense, but when you have a guy in Trevor Lawrence who everybody last year was really salivating over and people were crowning him, I almost feel like even before the national title game, people were crowning him the number one overall pick in 2021, which is two years away. And you almost never hear that from from NFL executives. But I think you have to be concerned. I mean, this is a Clemson team. I don't feel like, other than maybe the Syracuse game, I don't feel like they've played well. You know, the Texas A&M game offensively, defensively, they were amazing. They only gave up a late touchdown to A&M, which was important to some people, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but, other, I mean, other than that, I mean, their defense has been tremendous. You know, they, they have not given up a ton of points. Yeah, they give up 20 to North Carolina, but, one, it's a close game, so Carolina's offense is way more engaged than it would have been if it was, you know, 41-14 as opposed to 21-14. And you, you don't worry about that. You worry about the offense, and the offense is not produced, and it's and it's been sloppy, and Trevor Lawrence has not quite looked the part. His numbers don't look bad. 18th of 30, 206, and a touchdown. That's You'll take that. But when you go into a season with a quarterback who is expected to be up there for the Heisman Trophy, you had him winning it. I have him up there. You, know, you, you have to start pounding the alarm bells a little bit. And granted, the ACC is bad. I think Clemson's still going to go undefeated. Despite all of this, I think they're going to correct. I think they're going to figure it out. But these are deep-seated issues that, yes, they're they're showing themselves out now, and they're not hurting Clemson. They could, they could hurt Clemson in a playoff semifinal, in the national title game against Bama. It's deeper-seated issues, and Clemson knows they have bigger fish to fry than just escaping from Chapel Hill with a victory. So I think that's where the concern is. It's not so much, oh, is, is Clemson going to trip up? Is, is Clemson going to come out of the ACC? They're going to come out of the ACC because, of course, they are. Because who else is going to do it? But you have to now start looking later in the season, all right, where are they going to be at if they play Ohio State in the playoff, if they play Alabama? I think that's where the concern is as opposed to just looking at the micro and saying, wow, they almost lost to North Carolina. I think one of the things that we tend to forget, I tend to forget, and everybody tends to forget, is how young Trevor Lawrence is. He's 19 years old, right? And the progression of any player, and in particular a quarterback, is not linear. 
Sometimes you're going to take a step back after taking two steps forward. He was absolutely sensational against Alabama. I think Clemson had a dynamite offensive plan going into that game with some pretty significant weapons, exposing some of the deficiencies that Alabama had on defense. He played fantastic on a huge stage. But sometimes it, it just it, it, the development takes a little while, right? It's hard to play that well consistently. Sometimes give some credit to North Carolina. That's an experienced head coach in Mac Brown who, who knows some things about college football. He's seen a few things, right? So he knows how to attack and scheme against a, a young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. So sometimes he's going to take a step back. The progression is not always going to be fantastic. So we got to wait and see. But I think that it's difficult, as we were talking about a little bit before the show, where you're evaluated in college football after every game. Did you beat North Carolina by enough? Did you win by the spread? Did you look good doing it as opposed to did you get the win? So Clemson deserves some credit for getting the win. I admit wholeheartedly that Trevor Lawrence is a concern, but you you have to remember how young a 19-year-old quarterback is and that there still may be some growing pains, right? You talk about young quarterbacks in the NFL all the time. No, the expectations aren't there the way they might have been a little bit unrealistically for Trevor Lawrence beginning the season. So I, I, I think he's going to be able to get it on track. I have confidence in him and in this Clemson coaching staff. I'd like to see them try and pick up the running game a little bit um, because it's not as great and dynamic as it has been in, in games past and in years past. But I, I think he will get it corrected. You just have to remember a little bit before you, you jump off the ship that, that he is only 19 years old. And that's why I'm also not a fan of all this hyperbole you see and guys getting anointed as, oh, this is the next number one pick, this is the next great thing. Player development is not linear, right? How many guys have gone to the league and quarterbacks, you know, they can't all be Patrick Mahomes, right? Drew Brees didn't find his stride until the second half of his career when he got paired with Sean Payton, right? We can't all do that. Trevor Lawrence, like you said, he's younger than me. He's 19. He's fine. I mean, he's not fine, but you know, he hasn't played that well. But you also have to remember that he's not just going to go into a season with, by the way, massive expectations. I mean, this is a guy, everybody, he was the favorite across the board for the Heisman Trophy. And while I didn't pick him, I, I figured he was going to play at that level. And the expectations are so high on a guy, and that could be a lot. And, and again, I'm speculating here. I, I'm not saying that's the reason why he struggled. It's, it's probably a combination of things. But that's a lot to put on a teenager. That's that's not an easy thing to deal with. So I think that's another thing you have to remember, too, when you look at guys and you say, oh, that's a number one pick. That guy is so good. He looks fantastic. He's only going to get better. I can't even imagine what he's going to be. you got to pump the brakes a little bit because the expectation game, it's unfair not only to the game itself, but it's unfair to the kid because we heap these ridiculous expectations on Trevor Lawrence. And then he has a game on Saturday, which, frankly, he did not have a bad game. It's just it's not the spectacular performance you expect. And by the way, he's still a teenager and he's a sophomore in college and he also has to deal with all of that stuff. So I think we just have to remember that as well. And it's the difference, I think, in expectation, right? When you have a freshman quarterback who takes over midseason who you know can do some things that are a little bit better than, than Kelly Bryant who was in there to begin with, it's about, yeah, he gives us a better chance to win, but he's still a freshman, right? We're not going to lose sight of that. We're going to have to run the ball well. We're going to have to play good defense. We're going to have to help him out in every way that we can because he is so young and he's a guy that we're going to need to put a lot of support around because he's not fully mature and fully developed. 
after he goes and, and lights it up in that national championship game, you go into year two and you say, oh, well, this guy, the sky is the limit, right? So so not now he's not the guy that you need to go in and support. Now he's the guy that's going to have to carry and support everyone else. So I think that's a big difference in expectation and responsibility. And, again, he's still 19 years old. That's a lot of expectation. That's a lot of responsibility on a kid who's so young. He's progressing. I think he's getting to where he needs to get. Sometimes there are some growing pains. Sometimes quarterbacks don't play as well as you'd like. I think there are a lot of quarterbacks who would sit there and say, 18 of 30, 206 yards and a touchdown in an ACC victory isn't that bad, right? So it's probably a step down from the expectation and the standard that we had set for him, but he's getting there. So don't jump off the ship yet. I think he could still even win the Heisman, but there's no there's no mistaking this. He, he does have to improve if Clemson's going to get where they want to go. So concerns for Clemson, they're down to two in the AP poll. It's so early, they're still undefeated. Probably doesn't matter. The AP poll is still around? Yeah. Oh, okay. The uh, college football playoff poll is a (laughs) couple weeks from now, I think. Two or three weeks away. It's it's usually late October. I'm not sure exactly when they're doing it this year. I think some polls sometimes are not the best, but we'll get into more of that later. Um, From a team that has kind of underachieved a bit early in the season— to a team right now that is playing out of its mind, and that's Ohio State. They had another big victory this weekend, another blowout win over Nebraska. Um, how you take that, honestly, probably depends on your opinion of Nebraska at this point in year two of Scott Frost. But Ohio State in year one of Ryan Day, they are up to four in the AP poll. They are undefeated. Haven't really played a lot of good teams, to be honest with you. They had a 76-5 to victory over Miami of Ohio, uh, which sticks out in my mind, but this is an Ohio State team that, if you just look at the eye test and nothing else, strength of schedule, analytics, any of that, you just look at the way teams have played on the field, Ohio State probably looks the best out of anyone. And a number of voters, I, I looked at the voter breakdown in the poll this week, and again, think what you want of the polls, but a number of them put Ohio State at number one. So it'll be interesting to see where Ohio State goes from here. They've got their first quote-unquote big game of the season this week against Michigan State, who is barely ranked. They're tied for 25th. They are basically hanging on to a top 25 spot by a thread. They're 4-1. and one. Ohio State's going to host them at the Horseshoe. That's the nationally televised game on ABC at night. But, Nick, this is an Ohio State team that is, has certainly looked the part early on in the season. They're going to get tested in the schedule as it goes on. But right now, they have the makings of maybe a top three or even top two team in the country. Yeah, and they've looked really impressive. And Justin Fields has been pretty darn impressive. And that's, I think, the biggest thing that was the question mark rolling into this season, right? A new quarterback, a guy who who just transferred from Georgia, and you really didn't know what you were going to get. He played in very limited capacity when he was at Georgia, and it's a new coach, right? So it's a new uh, granted, Ryan Day was calling plays, but you knew that in parts there was some pushback from Urban Meyer and, and how they dealt with the play calling last year, right? So it's going to be full autonomy for Ryan Day to call the offense the way he wants to. He's also now head coach, new defensive coordinator, so a lot of changes for Ohio State, but they've, they've looked the part, right? And they've looked great. Now, I, I would like to pump the brakes a little bit because I don't think Nebraska's that good. The way they lost to Colorado was very alarming to me. Again, first-year coach in Mel Tucker, who I'm a huge fan of, just on a side note, right? But um, I, I don't think that it's so impressive because Nebraska has has not looked great in spots. Scott Frost still getting there, right? But 
again, at some point, you got to play who's on your schedule. And Ohio State, in in the manner in which you would expect, has really done well against its schedule, and uh, and they look really good. So Justin Fields again is going to need to continue to progress as a passer and and get to where he needs to get when it comes time to play Ohio State to play Clemson, but. Right now, he he looks the part, and and that's encouraging for them. The Ohio State defense looks really good, right? Uh, so, I think the sky is the limit for them. Maybe them being ranked at number one in the country to me is a little bit premature right now. I think that sure, if you want to knock Clemson off the the top right now because they haven't looked great, fine. I, I would say Alabama would then be number one, but they're certainly in the top three and 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 in playoff conversation hands down no issue so let's let's actually go through ohio state's schedule because we have talked about it they beat florida atlantic cincinnati those were both at home then they beat indiana on the road they beat miami ohio at home 76 to 5 that was a real pitcher's duel and then they went to lincoln and absolutely hammered nebraska last weekend i saw somebody propose on twitter and this was interesting i I want to get your thought on it because i'm not sure what to think of it but i've seen multiple people actually propose that we just shouldn't do a poll until October. We should just watch the first four or five weeks of games, whatever it is that year, and then the first poll The first poll would have been this week because this is the first week of October, and then just take a poll and then go from there as opposed to ranking teams off of the precedent of where they were last week. You know, The example I cite is a team like Michigan. Can you tell me with a straight face that Michigan looks like one of the 25 best teams in the country right now? Probably not. So a team like Michigan wouldn't be in it, but... I don't know if that fixes anything, but I'm intrigued by the idea because I think we do place too much importance on these early polls when we rank these teams throughout the year that we probably have them higher than they should be just because they were ranked so high early on in the year. Uh, To me, I think that's a great idea, but I think the message right now is while the polls still exist, you just can't really pay attention to them. I'm not, yeah. I certainly don't, right? What is is Ohio State ranked right now? They have them at five. Who cares, right? It's not even – to to me, it's it doesn't even matter because this isn't the poll. If you're gonna pay attention to a poll, you got to pay attention to the the college football playoff poll because that's the one that matters, right? However, the AP ranks these teams is irrelevant. It doesn't it, it doesn't hold any weight at all, right? So to me, sure, don't don't release a poll until week five, and you have a better understanding of of what's going on. Don't release a poll until the college football playoff committee releases a poll because to me, that's the only one that's worth paying attention to. You can get up, get hung up on on what the AP says and and what the you know BCS back in the day would say, right? To me, it just doesn't matter until at the end of the season there are four teams that are playing for a national championship, and then everybody else gets invited to a bowl based upon how they played that year anyway, right? So, I I really don't think it it matters, and I wouldn't really be worried about it. So to to me, the the poll is kind of irrelevant right now. So Ohio State's got Michigan State this weekend. Then they're at North. They've got a bye week next week. Then they're at Northwestern for a Friday night game. And then this could be a fun one at the Horseshoe. Ohio State, Wisconsin, October twenty sixth. Both of those teams could be undefeated heading into that game, assuming Wisconsin doesn't hit the trap game that they always do. But they played the trap game of all trap games this week. They were home against Northwestern and they pulled through. So could be undefeated. And I would, I would love to see Jonathan Taylor against that defense. I think that's a fascinating matchup. But we're, we are getting ahead of ourselves here. That is that is three weeks away. But c- c- that could be the a one. Really fun the one, one note about Ohio State, where you want to poke a hole in them, 
playing into Wisconsin's hand right here, 184 yards rushing they allowed against Nebraska. So Jonathan Taylor, a, a very interesting matchup down the line when Wisconsin and Ohio State potentially get there, right? We'll, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. And th- that'd be an interesting matchup. If, if Wisconsin wins that game, then you have to talk about Wisconsin as a playoff contender. Absolutely. Which is, <laughs> which is just wild to say out loud. But let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I've learned that lesson the hard way before. All right. Hey, why not uh, move on to this week, shall we? We got a, a top 10 matchup. Maybe a bit of a misnomer, but it's the SEC and it just means more. So let's talk about it. Um, Auburn and Florida, battle of undefeated teams. Auburn comes in ranked seventh in the country. Uh, I was going to say Oklahoma. Florida comes in ranked number 10. That game is at 330. Florida will play host to it. Uh, I'm fascinated by this matchup, but a part of me also thinks that Auburn could roll in this game. Florida's got the backup quarterback in Trask, uh, who has played well for them. But while Florida can keep it competitive for me, I still think Auburn's got to be the favorite here. And uh, they had a big win a couple weeks ago against Texas A&M. They pummeled Mississippi State last week, so no trap game for them. And I think this is another week where you look at Auburn and you say, yep, they're going to pull through this one, they're going to win again, and they're going to go to 6-0, and they're going to become a real threat in the SEC. And I think this is a game that could really establish them as that. I agree, and I think that Auburn's defense has been really, really impressive. Right. And maybe the numbers don't back it up in terms of of a top defense, but I've been really impressed by the way they've they've been able to play. And I think when you've got Florida going into this game with a guy who is their backup quarterback after losing your starter for the season a couple weeks ago against Kentucky, I'm I'm interested to see how this one's going to go. But I think that Auburn has the the distinct advantage defensively and an offense that can move the ball. Bo Nix, a, a pretty nice bounce-back game after not looking great a couple weeks ago. So I'm confident in him. He's already been battle-tested going and winning on the road. Granted, didn't look great, but did win on the road against Texas A&M. I think that this will be a very similar game to the one that they played at Texas A&M, and I think Bo Nix is going to play a little bit better than he did the first time around because he's going to get better with experience. So I, I certainly like Auburn in this game over Florida because Florida offensively, I think, is just a, a, a tough a tough matchup for them against Auburn. Auburn's only a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I'm, yeah. I'm tempted to take – got to take Auburn on that odds, right? I mean, that's two-and-a-half. I feel like you're just giving it to me at this point. Yeah, I think Auburn's going to win by a couple touchdowns. I think it'll be a solid game for them. I think this might be the best defense Gus Malzahn has had in his time there. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, that includes 2017. That includes the 2013 defense I didn't think was as good. I think they just had a really good offense that year behind Nick Marshall, and they won close games when they needed to. But, yeah, I think this has to be probably the best defense that Gus Malzahn has had in his, now this is his seventh year at Auburn. Time flies. But he, he's got a really good team down there. This game establishes Auburn as a legit threat. I think the Iron Bowl is going to be very interesting. I think you know their upcoming schedule is this starts what is for Auburn, and I want to read it off because I want to make sure I get it right. This is a brutal stretch for Auburn. So they've got they've got Florida this week, then they've got a bye, then they're at Arkansas. So that should be a victory. And they go to Death Valley to play LSU, then home for Ole Miss, then home for Georgia. They've got the cupcake game with Stanford, uh, Stanford, Stanford, and then they have the Iron Bowl. So that is not a fun stretch of schedule. That that's the type of schedule where if they finish the season ten and two, you have that as a crowning achievement. That that is a great season because they'll probably lose two of those games. I think they lose. They they got to lose at least two of those games. I mean, 
Georgia and Alabama. Georgia and Alabama for sure, and I don't think they beat LSU either. I don't really either, but yeah. Even 9-3 and three is still uh, – that's the type of team that could still go to a New Year's Six. But, yeah, it's a, it's a good Auburn team. Uh, you feel bad for them on the schedule end of things, but they uh, – I think they're going to get the victory this week. I think they get the job done, and they beat Florida. That's the only really big matchup this week. There is uh, Iowa-Michigan. <laughs> we could talk about oh, Michigan boy. again. <laughs> I gotta go with Iowa. That that's terrible, but I have to go with Iowa. By the way, let's just let's just use this. As and a, it's yeah. it's in it's at Michigan. By the way, you're talking Iowa on the road, and you're picking them, and I don't blame you. I might I might pick them too. I'm taking Iowa in the points. I don't even know what the points are. I'm gonna look it up right now. Let you know. Let's uh, three yeah. and a half. Three and a, three and a half. Iowa's favored or Michigan's favored? Michigan's favored. Oh so it's, yeah, it's three and a half. Oh, Iowa yeah. plus three and a half. Oh yeah, take Iowa for sure. For sure, I'll probably be wrong on that, but whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I always have. By the way, let, let's use Michigan as a, as a segue into our last thing here, because I, I feel like we have to talk about this. So Rutgers has canned Chris Ash. I'm just gonna do a little monologue here, because I want to shout out their interim head coach, Nunzio Campanelli, great human being. Uh, I was a high school broadcaster my senior year of high school. We called the football games, and we would meet with Nunzio for like a half hour in his office every week and he would give us so many good nuggets he helped the broadcast immensely insanely nice guy i hope he does well for them he'll have those guys ready to play every week say what you want about the talent of Rutgers; he will have them ready to play um but they he as much as i want to make him the story because he was the head coach of my high school he is not the story uh chris ash fired from Rutgers after what was (laughs) just a, a tremendously unsuccessful tenure uh at the helm of them he won eight games at Rutgers in the span of five years well four four years and change really and Rutgers now goes into a new chapter where they're looking for a head coach and the name that everybody says and don't tell tell Tennessee fans everybody cites Greg Schiano is saying that guy's going to come back he's going to be the head coach at Rutgers he's going to quote-unquote return them to glory now I don't know if that's actually going to happen because Rutgers is in a way different situation. When when Greg Schiano had them, they were in the Big East, and I, I don't care what you say. I mean, Greg Schiano did a great job, but the Big East, which doesn't even exist in football anymore, and the Big Ten, entirely different things. He could come back and do well. But I'm seeing some of these other names floated. I, I don't even know how they pull this off. Okay, Butch Jones, who's an analyst at Alabama, was also infamously the coach of Tennessee, also linked to Greg Schiano indirectly because he got fired, and then Greg Schiano was getting hired by Tennessee, and then their fans had an uproar, and the AD did what all good ADs do, which is cave to the fans. And uh, there's some other entertaining names on this list. Jeff Munkin. The name I saw that, that jumped out was Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. I, I just don't see why he would leave. Mississippi State, and I like Joe Moorhead a lot. He was the head coach of Fordham a bunch of years ago. I just don't see why he would leave, but Rutgers is in such a weird spot right now because they're in the Big Ten, and they have not been successful in the Big Ten at all, and they need to bring in a guy who's going to make them competitive in the Big Ten, and it's not even the step of winning games in the Big Ten. It's just competing with these teams. I don't think of Rutgers. I don't look at Rutgers and say, I don't think they're that far ahead of, like, Kansas. I mean, this is this is a rough program. They're in a bad spot, and I kind of feel bad for the people who are still there right now because it's going to be partially their responsibility to restore some respectability for the rest of this year so they can go out and, and hire one of these bigger names. That NJ.com article <laughs> had me laughing because the idea that Joe Moorhead, 
would would leave the SEC at Mississippi State in his second year to go take the job at Rutgers is absolutely unfathomable to me. So, okay, let's go down the list, and you're talking about uh, what are they going to offer the job to Belichick? I mean, we were we were joking about that before the show, but it's like, oh, are they going to you know raise the taxes in New Jersey and conjure up twenty million, and Bill Belichick's going to leave the Patriots yeah. to go it's, take the job at Rutgers? It's like, going to be yeah, it's going to be a I, new I just, toll on the Parkway. I I could not believe when I read that because that's that is extraordinarily wishful thinking. Like the the idea that Joe Moorhead would be lucky to get consideration from Rutgers, this prestigious job in in college football. No, they're they're a dumb fire and that's just reality right uh chris ash was eight and 32 they went what did they go one in 11 last year i think they I went think one in 11 if not it was two and ten. One in 11 yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna yeah, pull yeah, it all yeah. up so right now. so yeah. in in hugh jackson-esque fashion they won one of their last two sorry of their last 16 games that not that good. in college football is really really bad Actually, it's really bad anywhere. I don't. I don't care what sport you're coaching. When you when you're you know two and fourteen, that's not good. By the that, way, that gets people fired. Their one win was against Texas State, the first game of the year. They after that they went and lost eleven straight. Yeah, that that's that's impossible. That's oh man, yeah. That it's a tough program, and um, I just wish them the best uh, because they they were ten years ago. They were a very respectable program you know greg shiano had them and, and they weren't a joke they they went to bowl games but they that's, were serious they that's were competitive. the dude they need to get that's I think, that's yeah. that's it and if he hopefully for them he's willing to come here right he was going to be the defensive coordinator with new england this year and then backed out because he wanted to spend more time with his family and now right he's going to be asked to potentially take over a program in rutgers that requires a lot of involvement and a lot of work so is he willing to take that jump for Rutgers, right? He was probably interested in a Tennessee job. That's a big-time job. But is he interested in going back to Rutgers? Because as you mentioned, it's a lot different from the last time he was there. Big Ten, Big East, very different. So I don't know. I th- I think, again, as we were, were talking about before the show, I, I think it's going to be someone from a, a smaller-type school who has shown some results and uh, has has the propensity to maybe turn a program around, but I I would be very surprised if they were able to secure a big name because it's just such a bad situation. They are just so far from being competitive. We we've you know talked and talked and talked about how bad that Michigan's looked to start this year, and Rutgers loses fifty two to nothing. Oh, they got demolished. It, they they, didn't they show shouldn't up. have even been on the same field. Yeah. It was embarrassing. I, I think I think the way to and go. And they're in the yeah. same conference, right? It's not like they were playing again, the well, I'm talking about Michigan, so the first team that comes to my mind is Appalachian State. So maybe that's a bad example, right? But they're not playing some D two school Coastal D3. Carolina. You're not yeah. playing some scrub school. This is a team that's in your conference. This isn't some you know, it's not Alabama playing Mercer. You're in the same conference, and you're losing 52 to nothing, and the minute you step on the field, you look like you shouldn't be there. Yeah, that game was over when they stepped off the bus. Okay. Yeah. And that was a Michigan team that got hammered the week before by Wisconsin. So you want that job, anyone? That's a really – I get it. There are only so many of those jobs available, and guess what? Someone's going to take it. But, man, oh, man, if I'm a respected football 
coach like Greg Schiano, I am thinking one, two, three, four times about returning back there because that is really, really, really a tough spot right now. To be honest with you, I don't think Greg Schiano is the way to go for Rutgers because if I'm a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, to be honest with you, I don't think Greg Schiano means anything to me. Well, I don't know if it means anything to me, whoever it is. Yeah. I mean, that's really the problem at the end of the day because you're not you're not talking about – um, some some high level coach, right? At some point, it's you know Rutgers only can get such a candidate, right? So it's not going to be they're not luring Dabo Sweeney or something like that. They're, Nick Saban's not going to Rutgers, so at some point it's going to be some middle of the road guy. And I don't think that anyone who is a caliber of hire for Rutgers will carry any cachet to the point where you're like. I'm making this decision to go for the coach instead of the school. And then when, when the decision falls back on what type of school and what type of football program is this, I, I don't know why anyone would want to go to Rutgers. It's just it's an abomination. They're terrible. I mean, the one guy I think I would back up the truck on for Rutgers, and I don't think they'd be able to get him, would be Jeff Munkin because he's gotten an Army team to be competitive against the best teams in the land the last couple of years. Uh, but that's a guy. I think anyone else you have but to be kind of But if you're Munkin, why, why are you leaving Army? No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. You just went toe to you, you went toe to toe with Michigan. Yeah, you took him to overtime. They almost beat Oklahoma <laughs> last year, and Oklahoma had the Heisman Trophy when sure. they went to the playoff. I mean, uh, but that's, you took yeah. Michigan to overtime, and this team, th- this Rutgers team, looked like they shouldn't have even been on the same field. Yeah, I mean, their last three games, Rutgers thirty nothing lost to Iowa, thirty to sixteen lost to Boston College. And then they lost fifty-two nothing to Michigan in the Big House a week after. Th- that was a Michigan team that was reeling, by the way. That that was. Th- this is not you know Bo Schembechler and you know whoever else or even like a Lloyd Carr type. Th- this is this is not that Michigan. It's a bad football team. It's a very bad football team. And what does yeah. it say about the team that lost to that bad football yeah. team fifty-two to nothing? Yeah, they they've got Maryland this week. They're going to come out hot. Um, <laughs> I don't know if they're going to win because you know that that's presumptuous, but. Uh, Nunzio Campanelli, best of luck. You're definitely not listening, but uh, I hope uh, nothing but the best for you. You're a great dude, and um, best of luck the rest of the year, and and we'll see what happens. And I hate to pile on, but you're going to need it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a shame, man. It's a shame. I I, I genuinely feel bad for the people there because that's just a a terrible situation. It's a, a roster that it's not a Big Ten roster. I'm sorry. It's just... That team's not there right now. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen with them the rest of the year. You just hope for the best. They've got Liberty on October twenty second, uh, October 26th, rather. That's probably a win. So they can get to 2-10 and 10 this year. Uh, but I look at the rest of that schedule, I don't think they're winning another game. Uh, honestly, I think Maryland at home this week after a coaching change might be one of their best shots at a win besides Liberty, which is, which is really saying something. But that'll just about do it for us here. Nick, thank you for another great show. We'll be back. Same time next week, or or about the same time next week. Can't be 100% sure, but we will see you at some point next week. Hope you guys enjoy the college football. Enjoy the weather. Hopefully it turns around after today, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>